When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this special interview episode of It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, I spoke with director and Emmy Award winner Timothy Woodward Jr. to discuss his latest film, Till Death Do Us Part. Till Death Do Us Part follows a runaway bride who, after running away on her wedding day, must fight for survival against her former fiancé and his seven deadly groomsmen. In the ultimate horror showdown, the groomsmen soon discover that she has no intention of going back to the life she left behind. It stars Natalie Byrne, Cam Gigginday, Jason Patrick, and Orlando Jones, among a cast of really incredible, incredible actors. The film opens this Friday, August 4th, so please go seek it out. It is a truly, truly independent feature. It won't be available on VOD. So with that said, I do want to add the caveat that this film does not fall under the struck work category. So just wanted to make sure everybody did realize that, that this is a truly, truly independent feature, and we should definitely go out and support independent cinema. So I hope you enjoy my interview with director Timothy Woodward Jr. Hi, Timothy. It's so nice Hi. to virtually meet you. It's nice to meet you as well. And I'm excited to talk to you about your movie, Till Death Do Us Part. And I uh, wanted to just first start out with, because what struck me as a woman and as someone who hosts a podcast where we try and discuss things from the female perspective, and I love horror and thrillers are like my favorites. And so I loved being able to watch a female character that was in control and so powerful pretty much from the get-go. Was that part of what attracted you to directing the script or? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, I was looking for something to collaborate with Natalie Byrne on and, you know, I'd saw the script before from the writer and then she resent it to me and said, Hey, you've got to read this. And you know, the female lead was very interesting. It was cool. Natalie's a former ballerina. Uh, so she's able to do this kind of action. And I felt like it was something that she could take on and really just make it her own. And I think she did a great job in it. But I, but I love the idea that here's a woman who's trying to change her life and, you know, going through these things and she's kicking ass and taking names. And it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and speaking of the fight scenes there, because I was wondering when I read up that she was uh, trained as a ballerina. So I'm assuming that probably helped a lot with the choreography of the yeah. fight scenes. 
Yeah. 100%. It was, it was, it was, we actually had a lot of people who were trained and, and did martial arts, but her having her as an anchor that she basically could do anything and she could do all of her own stunts was huge. You know, she did almost every single punch kick. She'd actually get every punch and kick. The only, there was only two times that she did, didn't do it, which were, were more falls, like the fall off the motorcycle. And there was another fall. But other than that, she did all of her stuff. Wow. Yeah. I was wondering that because the fight sequences look really incredible, just really amazing. Welcome, especially for um, an independent film. Sometimes I know that, you know, there might be cutting corners or stuff that you have to do, uh, but it looked so realistic. And I was like, oh, every single person here definitely knows what they're doing. Like, I would not want to be up against any of them. So great job there. Appreciate that. And did you, so then did you use a bunch of, did you use stunt doubles for any of the fighting, other fighting? You know what, only for Natalie, again, the falls, two falls, but that was it. No, everybody else, that was them doing it. You know, everybody from even with Cam, even with Poncho, even with Poncho Mueller, that was him. You know, he was, he's taking that flying across the room. That's him. Wow. That's amazing. That's, that's great. Cause it really helps uh, you feel like you're in the movie. Um, And it makes it a lot more realistic. And then there's a lot of humor in this as well. Some dark comedy. And how did you manage to balance that where you're going to have the humor and then you want to also have like the thrills and the scares there too? It was up and down, you know, everything was literally like this from the beginning. You know, we start you off in a 1990s kind of rom-com setting that you're very familiar with. It's happy. Everything is there. And then, you know, we're experiencing something else and then we drop it. You know, we bring you and then we come up and then it's the anticipation. And then once it starts, it's literally ride here, come a little bit of humor, ride up. You know, and we were just trying to balance it as much as possible so it didn't feel like a straight line and where you knew exactly what was happening. Um, I tried to use a lot of juxtaposition of with the music of, you know, choosing these 1950s songs that were bubblegum, bubblegum, while something very violent was happening, because I feel like those two contrasting of the happy smile while violence is going on is already horrifying and it can be fun. So those two, you know, those things that don't go together, we tried to put them together. And that's one of the keys, I feel like. Yeah, because I was actually going to ask you that next about the music and the score, because and there are parts not and I don't want to give away why they're there, but the parts in Puerto Rico, even the score is still has that romantic comedy feel to it. And then you go to the other parts and you still have that, like you said, that bubblegum pop stuff, 50 stuff. And so was that intentional then with the Puerto Rico, with the score, keeping it there? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was a, you know, it's a, it's a tropical honeymoon phase kind of thing. So it was like a, you know, we were going for that feel and style of it, you know, until it gets to the places where, you know, it's not later on and stuff. So we were, you were trying to keep that still as the, here's the horror happening inside the house. Here's the happier days afterwards. So we were trying to, go with that and then juggling it back and forth. Mm-hmm. And there's a few times I crossed over the songs to make them, uh, to make the transition smooth. Like there's one uh, runaway girl, runaway, you know, and it pops up and watch it, you know, where the boat and then it starts and then it leads us into the next scene. Yeah. Which works really, I mean, the score works so well and all the the songs as well. 
And especially when you've got the best man doing all the dancing to it too, because there's yeah. something about dancing in any kind of horror or thriller film when somebody is almost stalking their victim that makes it creepier. Was that a direction that you had added in there? Was that in the script? Yeah. You know, it was in the script that he was dancing, but the, the script originally described it as being, you know, it was supposed to be like some kind of nineties pop song. And then he changes the radio and it's heavy metal. And he's like dancing to heavy metal. And I was like, nah, you know, this is already set up. I mean, this is, he's got this suit. This is set up like Sinatra and he's gliding on his toes. And I said, you know, let's let it stay with this one music that I like instead of him changing it. And then he adds that to it. And the dancing's also goes along with the fighting very well. So it's also like a partner to the fighting. And so dancing is also a theme of this where we see the bride and the groom at the beginning dance. We see them dancing at the end. We see the bride alone dancing, foreshadowing what's coming with the best man. And the record player is so much of a character that it's, you know, we refer to it as the magic record player because it kind of lowers and its volume goes up and down as we need it to, you know, for the fight scenes and for other things. But it also disguises the fact of who's upstairs stomping around or not being able to hear things and stuff like that. It adds a, a wall where a fight can be going on and the other guys won't be able to hear exactly where it's at because the record player's fight. Yeah, that that the music just that was just struck me so much. The music and the dancing and the fighting, all of that kind of choreographed together to really put you in whatever mood you were supposed to be in. And especially the dancing, because when you have the bride and the groom dancing and it's different parts of the story, there's a different urgency or uh, feeling that comes along with both of those dances. So, yeah. Sure. Thank you. I'm glad you picked that up. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that a lot. And then I don't know if this was part of it too, but also another thing that struck me was, of course, you've got the seven groomsmen. So it's almost like you could say like a fairy tale, like Snow White, and then the seven groomsmen. Was literally that- not even kidding you. I've said that about 10 times today. So literally it's Snow White and the seven dwarfs if the seven dwarfs are trying to kill Snow White. I'm not kidding. Emma, Emma can back that up. I've said that. Uh, so many times on different interviews already today. That was literally the idea was like a 90s rom-com where the groomsmen were trying to kill the um, the the bride and where in another situation of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And I kept telling the cast that while we were shooting that. So I'm glad you picked that up. That's definitely, and that's why the dance scene at the end where the windows are there and it's like this magical dance was supposed to also be part of like the fairy tale. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I can see that. And then, you know, there were different, I don't want to say much because of spoilers, but there were different parts where I was like, mm, is there going to be some kind of poison or some kind of something coming into this? Yeah. Situ- and yeah. and it, yeah, and I won't say whether or not that happened or who that was with, but, and also just with the groomsmen having different sort of like nicknames almost in different, like you never really knew definitely what their names were. Yeah. 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 That was an idea. And that was a, it was one of the things where when we were bringing in Poncho and and Neb, it was like, you know, this idea of this little guy named T-Bone who thinks he's seven feet tall and 250 pounds. And then this other guy who's got this really cool accent who is big in fact, but the, the other guy bosses him around a lot and having that contrast and creating that allowed it to where all the groomsmen could be a little bit different you know, instead of all being similar, because it's really hard when you get a script and it says groomsman one, two, three, four, five, six, 
you know, and so you're like, oh, how do I do this? So that was my way of doing it with giving a couple of nicknames, but not naming everyone. Uh, there's an intentional line there where the best man is getting ready to deliver his speech or trying to speech again. And he says, you know, welcome to our joyous event. My name is and then something happens. So he never gets to say his name. And so that's like an all and he never gets to finish his speech, which is an ongoing thing. So there's a there's a few themes in there. Yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, I just wanted to know, what did you learn about yourself as an artist through directing this movie? Um, I think, well, every movie that you do, you learn a little bit more. One thing I learned, period, is that I was out on a hundred foot yacht and I'm see, I get seasick. I threw up 40 times. So that was a physical thing that I learned that I'm physically, you know, I have to wear a watch band and do all kinds of stuff and jump in the water if I'm going to film on the water. But, you know, I I really like crossing the genres over. I really liked having more fun, which I had on this one. Um, I really liked, you know, doing a lot of the, the stuff. And then I also learned that, you know, there's challenges in being a little overambitious, which I've always known, but, you know, just learned a little bit more of that in, in this movie. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again for speaking with me and congratulations on the film. No, thank you so much. I'm really glad you took the time to watch it. And hopefully, you know, we're coming out in theaters uh, August 4th. And I hope everyone, you know, supports us. We're a truly independent film and we need people to drive to the theater and check it out. You know, it's not coming out on VOD, you know, anytime soon. So we need people to drive to their theater and, and check out the movie. Yes, definitely support independent film. Thank you again, Timothy, for taking the time to speak with me about your new film, Till Death Do Us Part. Once again, Till Death Do Us Part is opening this Friday, August 4th. So please go out and support independent cinema. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us via our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there and that'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black lives matter and stop Asian hate. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.